As we come to the first scripture this morning, these are going to be familiar words because we focused on these words a number of months ago out of the first chapter of Acts, particularly that eighth verse. But now as we talk about being sent, hear these words again. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Holy Wisdom. Holy word. Thanks be to God. Again, the gospel reading are very familiar words, and there's a reason for that today. And greatest commandment we've heard again and again, but as we think about being sent and from what to what to whom, hear these words again. I invite you as you are able to stand for the reading of the gospel. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, He asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Normally, in other churches where I've served, I've started every sermon with a prayer, and I would like to do that today. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As I've said throughout the service already, there is a real danger in talking about being sent. And part of that danger is to believe that all of that means is that what we do is we go out and we serve others in places like Andrews Glen or Sophia Way, or Crossroads. And that that is what the sending piece of that vision statement means. But what I want to do is share with you 
a, a little bit of three significant pieces of men in my life that have been significant influences and for a variety of reasons. I will also tell you, having only been here seven months, that what I'm going to share is a little deeper than what I would normally share with folks, and particularly with a congregation. And I'm going to do it short and succinct, but, you know, being a pastor in many ways is I'm just a guy, just a guy standing up here in front of you who has gone through a lot in his life and you know, don't get nervous about what I'm going to share. I, you know, I'm not going to reveal anything that's that significant to you. But, but I do want to tell you the story of these three guys. And I, I, want, to, I want to start with Jack. They're Jack and Mike and Peter. I was probably the, the most idiotic, stupid 19-year-old you will ever, ever, having, ever know. Had just gone through a serious ski accident, had broken, broken my neck and having been paralyzed. And what I didn't understand that it wasn't just healing around, you know, the paralysis and, and those kinds of things, but there's stuff that happens inside you when, when you go through things like that. Well, I had moved back home, which no 19-year-old really wants to do, uh, having gone through the recovery time and, and had, had come to the place in my life where, you know, at, at 19, going on about nine, I, you know, I thought it was time for me to even move out at that time, and I did, and it was the biggest mistake that I probably ever made in my life. And I moved to the hinterlands outside of the community where, where we were living, and it was absolutely by myself. And what I didn't recognize was the ever kind of spiraling kind of pieces of depression and those kinds of things that come out of life at 19 going on nine. But I was going to work. I went to work for a guy named Jack, and and. He, he, absolutely the toughest guy that I have ever met. I mean, tougher than tough. You know, it, it was like no matter what you did, it wasn't enough. At least that was my perspective. And there came a point where I made a huge mistake. And it involved Jack, and it involved the company for which I was working. And it was a significant enough mistake. And if you ever want to know more details about it, just ask me. I'm happy to tell you. There's no secrets here. But, but, but it was a significant enough mistake that I had to go and confess to my father what I had done, my dad. Some of you know my dad. I'll tell you what. It's not easy to go confess to your dad. I don't care who your dad is. But I did, and immediately what he said is, we need to call a lawyer. And it happened to be a family friend, and the family friend came in, and, and the first words out of his mouth when he heard what had happened is, you need, to, you need to go see Jack. Call and go see Jack and go see him tonight. What I didn't know is that this lawyer and Jack were very dear Rotarian friends. So we did. And I remember sitting in Jack's living room at 19 years old. I guess I may have been 20 by then. And I remember wanting to walk in and being that tough guy that I thought I was. And Jack had me sit directly across from him. He had a couple of chairs here and a couch here. And I can tell you to this day every detail about that living room, every single detail. And I looked at Jack for just a minute, kind of glanced up and then looked at the floor again and, and admitted what I had done. Well, he already knew. I wasn't telling him anything he didn't know. But then I heard his breath begin to break. And it was that broken breath of a man who is trying not to weep. And I looked up, and there were tears 
coming from his eyes. And the first words out of his mouth were, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And at that point, I looked up and looked in his eyes as they were continuing to cheer up, and I said, please forgive me. What are you talking about? And he went into this communication of talking about being too hard on me, of considering me to be a son, having dreams for me in that business, and then apologized again. And then he looked at me again and said these words, Brad, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Jack was a missionary to me, and not in that sense that you consider a missionary. And what that moved into was this relationship with Mike. And in the midst of trying to recover and gain strength, one of the things that I was doing was was rebuilding. I had to create crawl spaces under my parents' home so that I could pull out the termite-ridden joist under there. But, you know, it was this salt marsh mud, and the crawl space when I started was about six inches. And so it was more like tunneling and trying to create this. And it was exactly where I thought I deserved to be, in this stinky place and stinky mud. And, and in the midst of that, I, I, I met Mike Bigley. And Mike Mike was the guy that I've described before who was a retired teacher but was an avid outdoorsman and um, was a a timber cruiser and knew everything there was to know about forest and and nature and and all of those incredible things and, and asked me to come and work with him to build log homes without power tools. And I thought he was crazy. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you use a chainsaw? Why, why wouldn't you use, you know, like other things, pneumatic things? I mean, that's where we are today. And, and, you know, what Mike was able to do is talk about the wood and the beauty of the wood and talk about going with the grain and not, not against it and life lesson after life lesson. But the biggest one came on the, on the day that his son, and I will tell you, Paul was not in any way outdoorsy and in any way physical. He was a chef and he looked it. Nothing against chefs. But he, he had never touched a tool in his life, but he wanted to come and, and be a part of this. And it happened to be on the day that we were coating the logs and with this chemical pentachlorethanol. Well, pentachlorethanol is a very powerful chemical that penetrates the, jo- the, the logs and preserves them and prevents bugs from going in. And... And no question, but we knew that we had to wear respirators as we're putting this stuff on the logs. And, and Paul thought, you know, I, I don't need a respirator. I have respirator. Wes respirators are for wusses. It took about 20 minutes, maybe a half hour before he finally fell and was unconscious. He did not get seriously injured. He got very sick, but recovered quickly, you know, once we got a little more air in him and away from the chemicals. But it was the next day, Paul didn't come back, the next day that Mike began to talk about mistakes and that if mistakes don't help us move forward in our lives, then we have failed at our learning. I thought he was talking about Paul. 
He wasn't talking about Paul. He was also a good friend of Jack's. Life lesson after life lesson after life lesson. Being in the woods and understanding the balance of God's creation. Looking at relationships and how important they are. The importance of grace and forgiveness. Yes to others, but maybe most importantly sometimes to ourselves. Mike was a missionary to me, but not in the sense that we would potentially understand. Years went by, and I finally met Peter Schmidt. And Peter, Peter was a young, not young, Peter was a very short, balding, physically fit physician. Peter was one of the most respected physicians maybe in the world at that time. I met Peter because we were on this group together that traveled for the White House to talk about what places children and youth at risk, to try and bring health to communities and health to others and health to families. And I remember we had been together for about a year and a half traveling together and gotten to know each other very well along with the other five folks that were on this group. And and I remember one day Peter leaned, we were in Orlando, Florida, and we're just checking into the hotel there and kind of leaning on that registration desk talking about what tonight was going to bring. And in the midst of all of that, Peter looks at me and, and almost mid-sentence he goes, Brad, have you ever thought about going into the ministry? I went, what? Are you kidding me? But then Peter began to talk about it. Because Peter saw himself as one in ministry. And then I began to listen to what he said as we shared with these community folks or politicians or other groups. Everything he said and the way that he lived his life were statements of faith. Peter was a missionary, but not in the sense that we would usually use that term. Why am I telling you these stories today? Well, the reason is that there is a very real danger that as people who have this piece as the fourth piece of our vision statement only see that piece as going to places like Andrews Glen. When in fact, being sent means much, much more than that. What I want to tell you is that as your pastor, one of the things that is most important to me and I think most important to God is to understand that the purpose of this church is to prepare people to leave. That every single thing that we do is to prepare people to go. What are the first two letters of the gospel? What are the first two letters of God? What did Jesus say to his disciples when he gave them the Great Commission? Stay together into all the world and make disciples of all nations? No. First word he said was, go. The purpose of Aldersgate United Methodist Church, as soon as it becomes about us, we have failed. As soon as it becomes about our needs alone and the things that we want to have happen here, and build some organization that has very little to do with what goes on out there, then we are in serious, serious, serious trouble. The minute that happens, we have failed God. 
And that's not going to happen. And it hasn't happened. I have concerns about rumblings that I'm beginning to hear. And I just want us to be clear that if you serve on the board of trustees, the purpose that you serve is to make sure that this facility is designed and in such a way that we can create passionate disciples who can go. And that when people walk in here, they have the sense that, that this is a place where they can learn and grow and deepen so that then in return they can go and be disciples in a world of need. If you serve on the staff parish, what that means is we have a staff that we continue to create and support a staff that teaches us not only to be here, but to go. Everything we do is for that purpose. Finance committee, to make sure that we have the funds to do the ministry, not just here, but out there. Every single thing we do is to prepare us to not stay, but to go. I tell you of Jack and Mike and Peter, because you know what? That's who you are. Every single one of you sitting in here have those kinds of relationships somewhere in your life. When we look at that Acts scripture one more time, what do you hear? But, but just wait for power on high. Well, that's what the church is for to make sure that we're aware where our power comes from, where that, that motivation and inspiration comes from. Then he says, now go into your home. So how's it going in your home? How are the relationships doing there in your home? And I don't mean Bellevue or Issaquah or Seattle. I mean in your home or in your neighborhood. Who in your neighborhood, who in your home, who that surrounds you in your business or in your work or in your play needs you to be a Jack or a Mike or a Peter? Then we look into the community and ask the same kinds of questions. Jerusalem, all of Judea. And how about those folks with whom you disagree vehemently? those folks that you may even see as enemies, I wonder what your witness might need to be with them. But there needs to be a witness that is not standing on a street corner screaming and waving a Bible. Sometimes it's just being quiet and listening. And then we look at the whole world, but notice that that is piece number four. Andrews Glenn, Sophia Way, together we build, whatever those are. But it's an ever-rippling, expanding circle that begins where you are right now. So as I close, understand, that is our purpose. We gather, all people, seek to heal and transform and be healed and transformed ourselves so that we can continue to go deeper as passionate. Remember that word last week? Passionate, directed, focused disciples of Jesus Christ who can then be sent. And this is a cycle that needs to happen in this church. That's 
who we are. That's the statement of vision. And that's my perception of what it means. Gathering, welcoming culture, not just seeing ourselves as the healers and transformers, but all of us are on that continuum so that we too can become not just disciples, not just followers, passionate about what we do. Jack, passionate disciple of Jesus Christ. Mike, passionate disciple of Jesus Christ. Peter, passionate disciple of Jesus Christ. How about you? How about you? Will you pray with me? God of creation, we have all lived lives, many of us having them filled with challenging times. And I praise you today for these three men, for Jack, now who is with you, for Mike, who is now with you, and for Peter, who is now with you. And that they chose to live out their faith more by example than with a baseball bat. Lives of grace. Lord, help us look within ourselves at our own struggles and even our own discipleship. Let us look beyond ourselves to those who need us to be grace-filled teachers and help us to look even beyond that to those places who need us to be servers. I again thank you for this place and ask that as we continue in ministry together that we remember the purpose of this church. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.